Well, everyone, the rating agencies have rated this week's homily PG, and so no worries there. No need to go out into the gathering space, no more announcements or anything like that. You know, it was a tough homily week. I know that it was a tough homily week. When you look at next week's readings and you see that there's hands being cut off and tongues cut out and young men killed in front of their mother and you say, oh, thank goodness, this is going to be easy compared to Safe Haven Internet Danger Sunday. Our first reading, everyone, our first reading has a very interesting background to it, one actually involving Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great did his conquering across the ancient world, and that included the Holy Land and the land of Israel. Following his death, his lands were split up among his generals, and one of those generals, Antiochus Epiphanes, was put in charge of Israel and the surrounding area. It became Antiochus Epiphanes' project to undercut every distinctive aspect of Jewish religion, to cut it out, to destroy it, and everything distinctive about Jewish culture, and to replace it with Greek pagan religion and Greek pagan culture. And so, Jews were forced to break their dietary habits and do things like eat pork. That's what we heard about in the first reading. Their rites of circumcision were not allowed. Greeks introduced some of their practices which Jews found totally repulsive and unbecoming, like establishing exercise gymnasiums where people trained in their birthday suits. And last and worse, last and worse, they desecrated the temple. The Greeks went in and desecrated the temple, the holiest place in all Jeru in Judaism, the place where God was worshiped. They took out all its holy objects and replaced it with pagan idols. A family called the Maccabees, that's where we get the name of the book where we got our first reading, the book of Maccabees. It's a family name. And a family called the Maccabees rejected all these abhorrent things and sparked what was basically a guerrilla warfare against the much more powerful Greeks. They made alliances with other uh, empires like the Romans. They eventually won back Jerusalem. They won back the temple. They cleansed the temple of all the pagan worship and idols that were being held there. And finally, they rededicated the temple to the authentic worship of the true God. That's this kind of backstory is uh, the background to the feast of Hanukkah. The feast of Hanukkah is coming up for our Jewish brothers in the faith. The feast of Hanukkah is the background of the story I just told, the story of our first reading. It's when the Jews remember the rededication of the temple, when they cleansed the temple of all the Greek pagan idols that were put there, and they reestablish it to the worship of the true God. That's also the background of the story of our first reading, of these sons who are being tortured and killed in front of their mother because they refused to eat pork. It's a terrible story, heart-wrenching. But it's just one example of the systematic oppression of faith and the practice of the faith by the Greeks against the Jews at the time. The lesson I think, everyone, the lesson that I think is here for us is what motivated these young men and what even motivated 
this mother of seven sons to be proud of her sons as they resisted the oppression of their faith? What motivated them? Are they mere crazy zealots, mere idol, ideologues? Here's what they have to say. Here are, their ba- here are their beautiful quotes as they speak to their persecutors. One says, you are cursed. You are depriving us of this present life. But the king of the world will raise us up to live again forever. The king of the world will raise us up to live again forever. It is for his laws that we are dying. The next brother says, he held, it says, he held out his hands and spoke these noble words. It was from heaven. It was from heaven that I received these. For the sake of his laws, I disdain them. From him, I hope to receive them again. And again, last, it is my choice to die at the hands of men with the hope, with the hope that God gives of being raised up by him. And so what motivated these seven sons and their mother? A simple reality that we talk about all the time. What motivated them was heaven, period, and the resurrection. In particular, the fact that heaven and the resurrection are more real than this life. One brother actually says, as he holds out his hands for them to be cut off, you can have these hands. Go ahead, take them. I'll have better ones in the next life. That's basically what he's saying. You can have them. I'm going to have better ones in the next life. In the face of losing their lives, they say, okay, take it. You can have my earthly life. I hope for a better one. The supernatural life, heaven, It's more real to them than this life. And I should point out briefly that the type of persecution that these brothers, these sons, seven sons and their mother, isn't just an ancient thing. It's not just an ancient thing that doesn't happen anymore. In 2015, 21 men in Libya were asked to renounce their Christian faith by their ISIS captors. They refused and so they were put to death for it. We know that as they died, they repeated the name of Jesus. As they were being put to death, refusing to renounce their faith, they just said the name of Jesus over and over again. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We know that 20 of the men were Christian, and the 21st was not Christian. But he was so impressed by the witness of these other men who refused to renounce Jesus who refused to give in to their tormentors by their fidelity in trial, that he said, their God is my God. Their God is my God. And so he died with them. Last, then, I would like to point out that invading armies are not what is essential about these stories. Invading armies are not what's essential about these stories and about being heaven-focused or being heaven-centered like the seven sons and their mother or the Coptic Christian martyrs that I just spoke about. Everyone who lives, everyone who lives, experiences suffering in some form. We all do. In some way or another in everyday life. And the truth is, 
The truth is that earthly suffering is temporary. Heaven awaits. That's true for every Christian. If that is mere pious unreality, if that's just pious platitudes, where did the strength of these Coptic martyrs come from? If that's just something to make us feel good when we suffer, where did the strength that these Coptic martyrs come from as they repeated the name of Jesus over and over again in, in front of their killers? Where did the courage of these seven sons we read about today in their mother, if it's just pious platitude, where did that strength come from? Where has the fidelity of every saint and every martyr throughout the centuries come from? It came because heaven is real. It came because heaven is real. It's more real than earth. And rather showing us that these are some kind of crazy people or ideologues or, sen or zealots, the seven sons and their mother and these Coptic Christians, they're more sane than the rest of us. In a sense, they're more sane. They're more in touch with reality because they know that the supernatural life is more real. Heaven is more real. In the face of our trials, everyone, in the face of our daily sufferings that we come across, our crosses, we can trust that fact. Heaven is real. It's more real than earth.